Welcome to the Full Circle Show. The Full Circle Show is the artist podcast. Every week, we bring on artists who share their journeys within their creative field in hopes to inspire, inform, and entertain you, the listener. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Christopher Kenji is an award-winning fashion model, a top 10 West Coast songwriting finalist of the International New Song Music Competition, and a San Francisco-based independent multi-instrumentalist artist slash producer who is on a mission to bring heartfelt songwriting, honest lyrics, and rock and roll back into the mainstream world. Kenji has done modeling work in association with internationally acclaimed fashion and commercial brands such as Dior, Amazon, and many more. He has acted in commercials for AT&T, Compass, and additionally in promo footage for the 2019 film Greener Grass featuring Saturday Night Live star Blake Bennett. Kenji has also done commercial voiceover work, has appeared on the front covers of multiple editorial fashion magazines such as Movier Magazine, Pump Magazine, Shuba Magazine, and many more, and has walked the runway at major fashion weeks, some of which include LA Fashion Week, Chicago Fashion Week, where he has also performed as the lead headlining musical guest, San Francisco Fashion Week, award-winning designer William Lay, SS20 and SS21, exclusive runway showcases, and many more. Kenji grew up listening to hard rock and took up guitar when he was about 10 years old. On his journey, he became fascinated by traditional blues, Spanish flamenco, and percussive fingerstyle guitar, which all uniquely shaped his playing. In his teenage years, he additionally taught himself drums, music production, and how to sing. With a naturally deep, raspy, bass voice type in contemporary music male's tenor-dominated market, Kenji stands out like a sore thumb, but he strives to make that thumb a thumbs up. In 2017, Kenji graduated from Berklee College of Music. Kenji then fell into a professional modeling career in 2018. In July 2020, he made his first artist debut and has currently released six singles. His new release, Live from Battery Spencer, is now available on all streaming platforms and the accompanying live video sessions can be viewed on Christopher Kenji's official YouTube channel. It will be linked down below in the show notes if you want to check it out, definitely do so. To listen to Christopher Kenji's entire music catalog, which is available on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and over 150 other online stores, you can check out the show notes. They will also be linked down below. If you want to learn more about Christopher, all relevant links will be linked down below in the show notes. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Thank you. I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Um, I know it's kind of, I know you're probably busy, man. No, it's my pleasure, man. I mean, we're talking. We were. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I don't know. I'm just saying thank you. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm honored that you thought of me uh, to be your guest. So, uh, yeah. We were talking a little bit uh, before the show started, and you said you were in Chicago. Like, you know, you're starting to play events again, and you're just all over the place. Yeah. So, um, I think it was three weeks ago, uh, about a month ago, probably now. Yeah, I did. Uh, Chicago Fashion Week. Uh, I walked for two designers and I was the um, featured guest performer for the show. And um, actually, I think will be again um, this fall for Chicago Fashion Week. And yeah, that was was a super cool experience. Super cool to uh, because I did a lot of sort of events uh, that were filmed in front of nobody, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. for all of quarantine. Um, So it felt good to be in front of an audience again. It felt good to, sort of feel like um 
it was like a real event, a real show. Um, and it was actually um, filmed by, I think, Fox News, CBS, some other stuff. So um, I haven't seen the footage, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting to be part of that. And then, um, to, like you said, a week or so later, I went to Seattle and did a film's live performance in the Atomic studio mm -hmm. there. Um, and so that should be uh, on my YouTube channel, hopefully, uh, depending on <laughs> my schedule uh, in the next two months, I would say. I, I feel pretty you know, confident saying it'll be out within this, these next two months. But um, yeah, lots of, it feels good, man. It feels good. Lots of um, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel it, man um obviously it's a build-up right uh, you know yeah. it comes from times when there's nothing going on and you're just working on your craft um but i mean look i want to start from the beginning you know um yeah for sure as a child you know kind of just give us a quick run through of that yeah so um as a kid i feel like i was always really into creating just um I loved being creative. You know, I loved whenever I got to do things my way. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I think I wasn't necessarily the best in uh, following directions in school. Um, I guess that's just kind of the way that my brain works. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like um, creating and I was always into art as a kid. Um, I would just, you know, draw pictures all day. And then um, discovering music was, I, I was always, I listened to grew up on my dad's music. I grew up on like hard rock. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> classic rock blues um and i mean I, i've developed other influences um since then you know i studied, studied jazz and i studied other styles of music but um i always really really loved music and i remember one day um i was having a play date with my friend taylor and he his mom came in he was like oh it's time for uh she was like it's time for the guitar lesson and so um i just watched my friend Taylor have his guitar lesson and I was like fascinated and I was kind of like obsessed from that moment on. And then, um, I was always talking about guitar and then eventually, uh, for my birthday, I remember my dad bought me a guitar and I started taking lessons and I, I, I'll say I, I took lessons for maybe a year or two. Um, but I'm, I was mainly self-taught completely pretty much self-taught for singing until semi recently when I started, um, you know, uh, taking vocal lessons, but I mean, that's kind of like the sort of technical logistics stuff, mm -hmm. but in, in general, um, I, I feel like I used music as sort of a therapy and sort of a way of connecting with people when I wasn't as good at connecting with people necessarily through, um, I like that when I play music for people and share my songs, share my life through my songs, I feel like it kind of does the talking for me in a way. And it's like mm -hmm. people um, come up to me and it's like, we're already friends, you know, when I yeah. uh, play music, everyone's dancing, everyone's singing, everyone's having a good time, you know, mm -hmm. um, it breaks that sort of barrier. Where do you, where do you think this, um, this influence of just being creative and, and making and communicating through whatever it is that you were doing, where do you think that comes from? Um, first of all, I think we're just influenced by uh, different things. Like some people just think some things are cool. Like some people see rockets being made <laughs> or mm -hmm. like the, I don't, I don't know why I use that as an example, but some people are like fascinated by that. They're like, Oh my mm -hmm. God, rockets. That's so cool. Like going into outer space. Like that is so cool. And that is, for me, that is cool, but it's not something that I was like, oh, that's so cool. I should do that with my life. But for music, 
uh, was one of those things for me. I was like, I don't know, uh, music, art. I feel like there's certain things that come sort of more naturally to us. Like some people, for for me, like school subjects like math or English or other things didn't necessarily come supernaturally. Like I saw it come to other kids, but for, mm. um, you know, drawing or like artistic things or even I didn't uh, martial arts for mixed martial arts for 14 years other, other things I felt like came um, naturally to me and so I just sort of once you kind of go down that road and start working mm-hmm. at it and working at it and exploring it and discovering new uh, you just kind of get wrapped up in it and then all of a sudden it becomes your life <laughs> what were some of the like when you got the guitar when yeah you started just learning how you said exploring that world what were some of the, the things you struggled with the most in terms of the art and the craft and how would you go about, you know, overcoming those? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, no, I'll say that for me, guitar came pretty easy. I'm not, not going to lie. I feel like instead of having friends in middle school, I spent like, you know, six hours a day just practicing guitar. But for me, I think singing was kind of the thing that was more of a struggle of singing and being comfortable writing songs, writing my own lyrics, um, I feel like that kind of stuff, because I was more based in like having the confidence to do, do those kind of things, um, especially yeah, singing in front of people, having your own voice. You can't hide behind your guitar and you can't say like, oh, you know, with guitar, you're like, oh, my guitar is out of tune or oh, like, you know, this, this, this or that. But singing, it's like you, it's like your voice, you know, mm-hmm. so um, it took a long time to get the confidence, I think, to really just, yeah, sing and share my music and be fully proud of it and not feel like, you know, oh, I'm scared to share it because I'm scared what people will think of it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that took years and um, like I started releasing my own music under this, you know, my Christopher Kenji artist name um, mm-hmm. since... I it was yeah since we did our photo shoot together that was yeah. uh, July for my that was my first single uh, ain't no sunshine it was cover and then um, we also shot the dead of night artwork together um, mm-hmm. but it it was kind of like a lot of different factors like because I do everything myself mm-hmm. from the you know writing the song so writing the lyrics writing everything uh producing it like what i want in the song you know and playing all the instruments um or programming the other stuff you know mm-hmm. um and then mixing it all so getting making sure everything's level frequencies or all the waveforms and all, all all that stuff are aligned and you know all that those little things that go into it the kind of lesser sexy part of <laughs> like I'm doing all that and then I send it off to get mastered, you know, cause I don't have a million dollar studio with pristine, perfect conditions where I can not hear yet. every, yeah, not yet. So, um, I sent it off to get that last track I sent to get mastered. But, um, aside from that and then shooting, you know, um, when you were up growing that, up, sorry, I just jump in. Yeah, um, no, go for it. When you were growing up, where would you go to learn? I mean, were you reading books? I mean, was YouTube a big thing about it? Yeah, I think um, YouTube was around, so I did use YouTube. I, and that's how I learned pretty much everything nowadays, uh, mm-hmm. YouTube. But um, a lot of it's just was trial and error, honestly. Like uh, YouTube, what you would hear from other people, I would ask around, you know, musicians I knew or people that I thought could help me. But I'll say most of it, I feel like, is just kind of fucking around, seeing what sounds good, seeing, mm-hmm. you know, what... Because um, initially, all I wanted to be was a guitar player. 
All mm-hmm. I wanted to do was just like be the next Jimi Hendrix, the next, you know, Richie Blackmore or David Gilmore or something. Mm-hmm. I never even thought I would uh, be the singer or like in the spotlight. You know, mm-hmm. I always felt more comfortable being in the background. But I think I got to the point where I would write my own songs and I'd write, you know, everything but the lyrics and the melody. And then I'd have to pray and hope that whoever I brought it to wouldn't write, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, shitty melody over my song. And like, was that during your teens? um, You mentioned that you taught yourself how to do drums, music production and how to sing ultimately. Right. Yeah. Was that a big factor um, in terms of, not having that control right where you have you have how you said you have to pray and hope that yeah someone you know that's was exactly going what to, it was yeah. seeing something over it that you enjoyed and that you fucked with so what kind of impact did that feeling have i mean it motivated you to learn these other things yeah that's that was the whole reason i started singing i just wanted to be passive also that i could have the control over how my song sounded how um yeah just having that control and so that's when i first started singing and so it was the same thing for you know producing my own music it was like i i would sing and uh play and write my own songs and then i would um give it to someone else to you know because i didn't want to have to worry about the production all i wanted to have to worry about was like you know i play the music i do that and then i give it to someone it comes back and sounds perfect and then we're all good to go but it didn't it <laughs> doesn't always really work that way you know especially like when you have a very specific vision for a song that you know you can't expect people to read your mind necessarily for things mm-hmm. like that and so that's when i was like all right well i'm going to teach myself how to produce and that took a lot of years of trying to get the confidence to do that on a professional level because i was always like there's people who have way more years of experience way better equipment you know thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment and like um the means to do it more than me and then i realized you know a lot of what was holding me back was just the things i was telling myself in my head you know Mm -hmm. these things like oh i can't do it because of this i can't do it because of that and i was like no you know and so that's why i became a producer too it's all about just being able to be self-sufficient sort of me against the world trying to make this dream come true and the more the more you can, I, I, I think my biggest advice to anyone is like, try to learn how to do as much as you can by yourself because it can really only help you. And in your case, how were you making it easier to get out of your comfort zone? You're learning new things. You have that doubt in your mind of there's yeah. someone that's, has all this equipment more experience and you're learning right it might not come as easy as learning guitar so how could someone make you know make it easier on themselves to get out of their comfort zone and and begin to learn these things um i mean it always is hard you know to get out of your comfort zone like for anybody um for me even now it's it's gotten a lot easier now i kind of just um don't even let myself make it a thing you know because when i make it a thing and it gets in my head then it's much harder but i would say just think about the things that you know you really really want in life you know that's just kind of what i go off of that's what kind of guides me is just thinking about the things that i really want that um would really fulfill me and make me happy and then 
because it took me a while to realize I always was like, you know, I'll just wait. And I think like I'll have a moment where I feel ready or the future version of myself will probably be way more productive and way, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, they'll take care of all this. It'll happen. And I just, you know, wasted a lot of time, you know, I'm, like I'm, I'm still young. I'm 26, but I, uh, I feel like from the age of maybe 21 to 24, I kind of was in that sort of mindset and I realized, you know, nothing's going to happen unless you make it happen. You know, um, it's not always the things that people want to hear necessarily. It's not always like it'll happen. It'll be good. You know, the things that people want to hear at the end of the day, you just have to kind of be real with yourself. You know, it's like, if you want something, go get it. Nothing's stopping you from getting it most of the time besides just like, you know, yourself. And even if it is things like, you know, money or it is things like um you need to work really hard every day and make sacrifices it's like if you really really want something i believe that you'll do that you know Mm -hmm. for me it's like yeah i cut out a lot of things in my life you know i used to go out and party all the time i used to drink alcohol (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh which i'm i'm now like almost two years sober it's like those sacrifices you have to make I consider this my job as as well as modeling, you know, both of them require a lot of upkeep and maintenance. Like, you know, my skin has to look like decent all the time. Mm -hmm. My uh, voice has to sound good all the time. And with that, it's like there's a lot of things that you can't do sustainably um, to have that. And I think that sacrifice really all it is is just cutting the fat, you know, Mm -hmm. cutting the things that are getting in the way of you getting what you really want. Those few things, you know. Mm-hmm. your main goals and really just focusing in on that because because yeah i treat it like a job like when even on the weekends and people are like oh let's hang out let's party you know i'm like sorry yeah gotta work on my songs and that was like a hard thing for me to do or with dating and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. it's hard to be like i'm just gonna focus on my craft you know mm-hmm. e- even just like that whole emotional and mental aspect of it sort of clouding your minds mm-hmm. i don't have time to really mess around at this point you know if i and when you when you really 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 truly want something i think you'll make sacrifices and then once you see yourself finally starting to make progress on those things you've wanted for your entire life then it's it makes it all worth it it makes it so hard to look back yeah and yeah and i think that when you see going out of your comfort zone um in the ways especially that are things that you want like these things that you've dreamed of always dreamed of i feel like a lot of people talk about you know i dream of one day um being a movie star or something Mm -hmm. i feel like Half the, t- half the time, those people just like the sort of idea of being a movie star, which is totally fine, you know, having your sort of pipe dream. But there's people that that's really actually their dream. They're like, that's what I want. And I feel like it doesn't have to be a pipe dream. You know, if you really, really, really want something, yeah, just put your mind to it. Making that decision. Find a way. Make it a decision. Yeah. Actively start moving all the things in your life in order to put you in the trajectory to get to that point. Yeah. I, I want to talk about Berkeley College of Music. It's very notorious. Yeah. Um, it's in Boston, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, some notable alumni. Uh, I just picked three, but I mean, there's, there's a lot more. Um, John Mayer, <laughs> Quincy Jones, Charlie Puth. Right. Um, obviously, it, it's glamorized, and but you mentioned in the podcast and that you have on your website, um, linked on your website, 
Right. You mentioned that. <laughs> Thanks for checking it out. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I got to, man. I got to. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that everything you were taught, you took with a grain of salt and you yes. looked at it as you're just adding tools to your toolbox. Why do yeah. you think you were looking at it that way? Because with music and with art in general, there's no real right or wrong answer. No one can ever say, like, this is good art or this is bad art. That's just their opinion. Mm -hmm. With other things, you know, with, like, math, there's a right answer, and it's indisputable, you know. But with art, that's what makes it beautiful is that there's no right or wrong, and it can mean something completely different to different people. And so when you're talking about like techniques and talking about this is the way it is, this is the way it isn't. There are obviously general guidelines of things that tend to sound better than other things, you know, or tend to work in a more cohesive way than other things. But in general, I think you should take account with a grain of salt because it's like some of the best art, I think, is art that breaks rules, you know. A lot, a lot of the best art, I think, follows most of the rules. There are the guidelines, you know, rules and parentheses, mm -hmm. and chooses a few of those to break. And then people are like, whoa, you know, this still feels good to me. Yeah. I still like it, you know, but this is something I haven't experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so these rules are kind of meant to be followed, but also sometimes meant to be broken. Mm -hmm. So it's just up to your sort of discretion about that. And that's kind of why I had that philosophy. Do you feel at the time that the way that everything was being taught to you during that time, that it was coming across as this is the right way and everything else is wrong? They they kind of teach in that way, I think, um, because it's just, it depends, I feel like, who's teaching you. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people um, kind of took it that way. And a lot of people, and, and a lot of people end up sounding sort of the same, or the, there's the kind of like Berkeley sounds, mm -hmm. where everyone's like, oh, this is what is cool, and this is what is good. And everyone's kind of like a circle jerk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> I think that it's kind of, like at the end of the day i think you have to kind of have like a macro perspective yeah. like you you can get really caught up in these little things and this is just also my opinion you know so like for at the end of the day going to music school and learning all this complex like jazz theory you know all these really amazing things amazing tools that i have in my toolbox mm -hmm. um at the end of the day all that matters is it like does it sound good or does it feel good? Mm -hmm. Is it enjoyable for people to listen to? Does it better their days? Does it add value to their lives? Mm -hmm. Like those things. And that's all that matters, you know? Who, who, was, who was different? Who stood out at, at, at the college in terms of your, your teachers? And what did they teach you? Um, I think definitely my um, songwriting teacher for the last two years. Um, I was there, Pat Patterson. He was very inspiring. He was, um, he wrote the book, Writing Better Lyrics, uh, shout out to Pat Patterson, <laughs> which is literally like the songwriting book that everybody in the world buys when they pretty much when they want to learn how to write songs, mm -hmm. which is pretty insane. Um, but yeah, his philosophy was just like, it really changed the way I think about things. Like, for example, I remember he did this like big dramatic gesture 
when he came into class and he was like, look, I'm going to move this wall. <laughs> and he like stood there and he pressed against the wall and everyone in the class is like, all right, what, what is this? Like, what is he doing? And then he was like, oh, well, I guess I couldn't move the wall, but you know what that did? It was like, that made me stronger. And that's kind of how I thought about things, you know, even if things don't work out, even if things don't, you try really hard, it doesn't go anywhere. Cause that's, that's a lot of the time you deal with a lot of rejection. You deal with a lot of things not really going your way, but all of those things you learn from it and that makes you stronger and it makes you better for next time. And each one of us had our own uh, sounds, our own genre, even like I always played rock songs. <laughs> I feel like I was kind of like the rock guy of the class. A lot of people nowadays, I guess, don't do rock music. Um, but all the, all the different um, things he said, all, everything was applicable regardless of genre, regardless of each of our backgrounds, regardless of everything. Mm -hmm. His, his whole legacy, I think the thing that he, he said to all of us is he, just wants to be that voice in the back of our heads whenever we're writing little things that he would say. It was interesting things that I never even thought about. He was even talking about speech and the way that we talk and making that into our melodies, you know, like questions usually ends on like an up, you know, like, like that, you hear that, like, and sometimes if you're asking a question in a phrase or if you're, or if you're sad about something, your voice kind of goes down like that, you know, like it's mm -hmm. the, like, yeah. And I never really thought of songwriting in that way. And it's all, it's all touching on, I feel like the human experience, you know, um, however yeah. you can relate to people. Um, Cause I think that's the biggest thing, at least my biggest thing with music is just trying to connect to people, make them feel less alone, you know, make them feel like they're understood. Cause that's the things that I, that drove me to really like music were um, that I felt understood by, um, the music that I listen to and that's at least why I listen to music and I feel like anytime you can get sort of any of these tools to kind of tap into you know expressing yourself on a more human level to other humans is really cool and I feel like he had a really really interesting philosophy on that so I think he was definitely one of the main teachers that mm -hmm. you know immediately comes to mind so I think of Berkeley yeah this is I heard the other day um, and it really stood out because I mean you think about it and it's true it's this is all just a big game of human behavior yeah and just the example that you gave right now of how a question kind of ends yeah. you know, a little bit higher and then if someone's sad it's kind of like a little bit lower and I'm able to relate to it in a way of when you're you are negotiating or you're you're, you're on a you know, you're about, you want to close a deal or something like that. Yeah. The, the tone in, in which you talk, if, if the other person's super rushed and maybe super aggressive or whatever it may be. And then if you reflect a tone, that's more mellow, a little bit slower. Yeah. Disarming. Yeah. Disarming. And then it kind of, you know, they're like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just human behavior is a way to communicate and, and, um, being re relatable and, and and things like that. Um, yeah. I, I want to touch on. You said you, you know, and anything that we do, you know, for me it's video, for you it's music and and modeling. Yeah. Face rejection. Um. What was? Do you remember a time where there was a a shift in 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 when. Uh, you look differently at rejection 
what was that moment? Let me think. Um, I remember, I, I remember a big time. Um, yeah, when um, it was in 2019, I wasn't really focused too much on my music. I was kind of like, my music's not really going anywhere right now. Um, and modeling was something that I did, obviously, well, first of all, I'd never thought I'd ever do modeling in my life. Like, <laughs> I never thought I would be a male model. Like, it's just, even right now, it's kind of funny and surreal to me to think about. But um, it was just kind of really working out. And so even though it wasn't necessarily uh, a passion like music is for me, um, it just kept sort of working out and I didn't really question it. And I was like, well, my music's not working out. So let me just focus on modeling. Maybe that'll take me somewhere. And so it kept working out and working out and working out without, you know, me, I was like music. I, I feel like I've been trying so hard and just like try and fail and try a little bit, get a little farther, fail, try a little farther. And modeling was like the one thing in my life where I was like, I feel like I'm not trying that hard and for some reason just like succeeding. <laughs> and so I just kind of like went with mm -hmm. it for a long, uh, a long time. And so it took me to um, one of the biggest modeling agencies in the entire world, which is IMG models in New York. The president of IMG models um, invited me to meet them in New York city. And I was like, wow, this is like, you know, one of the biggest interviews of my life at that point. That was probably the biggest interview of my life at that point or maybe besides my Berkeley interview, but I just remember, um, yeah, I got there and I, I did all this preparation. Like, I think it, because I treated it as like, this is such like a make or break thing for me, you know? Um, that was actually one of the big turning points for me to stop drinking too, um, was I wanted to look and feel my best for that. And I remember my sort of modeling mentor, I've told the story many times, but my modeling mentor, um, I asked her, I was like, what can I do to make sure I'm my best version of myself for this interview? And at that point, I'd been drinking pretty much every day for years. I don't, I don't really remember. Like, it was kind of like, I didn't really think too much about it. It was just kind of what I did, you know? And so um, she was like, I would stop drinking for the two weeks before you go to this interview. And so I was like, well, I'm performing tonight. You know, I'm not going to. I'm going to drink tonight, but then I'm going to stop. And then she was like, no, you said it yourself. Like, why would you want to do anything to lessen your chances of being successful with this interview? And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so that was one big thing I got out of that already was I, I for that, those two weeks I didn't drink. And within four days, like I noticed huge changes. Like I used to have like red sort of kind of circles near my eyes. And I had like just, um, like brain fog and uh, I felt shitty all the time, looked kind of shitty. And I, you know, it, and it was just, um, that was like a kind of turning point. I've already, before I even got to this interview, I felt like a new person. I was like, wow. And it made me kind of depressed looking back. I was like, do I want to just go back to being this lesser, like, when I see, I, I didn't realize it could be, you know, functioning at this much higher of a level than, I was just holding myself back all the time. Um, and I mean, that's a whole story in itself. That didn't, I didn't end drinking right then and there, but I will say that drinking was never the same after that point. So that was one thing that I really got out mm -hmm. of it. Um, and I remember I went to my audition uh, or my interview in New York city and it was crazy. I got there and I, I just brought my guitar. Cause I was like, you know, I don't, like, I, I want to show them that I'm not just like another face, you know, here that I 
have more to me than just like my appearance. And so I got, um, I brought my guitar and I showed them my uh, portfolio and went through all the, you know, modeling. Everyone was super cool there, but they clearly did not give a shit about my modeling. <laughs> and I remember mm -hmm. I was like, it, it was funny. Yeah. They, they, they're like, Oh, it's a cool picture. Cool. Have you done anything like super big? And I was like, well, not yet really that anything. And you know, they, they're like very nice, but clearly, you know, didn't really care that much. And then um, I was like, well, can I play you a song? Uh, I'll play you one of my original songs that I wrote just, and they're like, uh, sure. Yeah. Like we never see that here. And so I remember I played uh, an original song of mine for them and it was crazy. They're, like everything changed they're like oh my god i remember one of the people to, um who was interviewing me he was like speechless and the woman was making fun of him for like literally stuttering over his words after my performance he was like wow i was not expecting that and he asked me to send him the song and send it to everyone at ing and that was one of the things where i didn't end up uh getting signed by img models you know that would have been yeah probably a big thing in my life but um it was crazy. I looked at it. That was a big turning point because I was like, one of the biggest modeling agencies in the entire world does not give a shit about my modeling. They gave a shit about my music. And from that moment on, even though I didn't get that, it was kind of like a wake up call to me. I was like, you know, music is my true passion. I don't know why I haven't been giving it the attention and the sort of priority it deserves. And so ever since that moment from 2019, you know, um, I've been really making that my main priority. And that really taught me that rejection, I feel like it teaches you so much more than when things go your way. When things go your way, you don't learn nearly as much, you know? It's obviously amazing when things go your way, but rejection is always an opportunity to learn how to be better and kind of evaluate what really matters. I mean, I got so much out of that that were just symptoms of the actual IMG models because IMG models to me now like the actual purpose of why I was there is kind of irrelevant to all the symptoms that I got out of that. So um, I'll say that was a big mm -hmm. sort of way I shifted my philosophy about rejection. Yeah. Rejection. Yeah. That's huge, man. And I mean, to think if you, if you didn't even take your guitar, yeah. <laughs> you know, to begin with, and maybe you might not have made that realization. It's those real small realizations that really just change yeah. everything right i mean you, you you found that the music was was the way to go and the way yeah, that's what i really to wanted to yeah uh, help me realize that i wanted to talk about uh summer fog uh the the, the song yeah. you released in april um you you say on your website it says that you wrote it in college in your college dorm in yeah. 2014 and it was the first song that you yeah. didn't hate, or you felt yeah. like you didn't hate, right? Um, and it was inspired by you parting ways uh, near your uh, from your hometown yeah. near San Fran for the first time to go live yeah. in Boston, um, where you would spend the next four years. Mm -hmm. So you knowing that everything was about to change, what was going through your head because that's a whole nother get out of your yeah. comfort zone. It's a huge getting out of your comfort zone, right? So what was going through your head during that time in your life? Um, it, it's kind of like there's a few moments in your life. 
I feel like um, in those sort of transition points between different chapters of your life where I feel like you, because nothing's ever forever, you know, there's certain points in your life where you're like, I know this is probably one of the last times that I'm going to be this person I am right now and that I'm going Mm -hmm. to be a completely different person when I move on. And it's kind of, I always thought that was a very sort of interesting moment, you know, a very, there's just such a complex, like emotional thing with, with that. And, and when we do look back at different points in our life, like our, our childhood or the way things used to be, or, you know, other things, or even, um, you know, right now, right now is a moment that, you know, us having this interview, we're at certain places in our lives right now. And when we look in the future at this moment, you know, we look back at this interview that we're having right now. I think it's such a visceral kind of, I don't even, you know, I, I almost can't put words to it. And so I, I thought, I just wanted to sort of capture that sort of emotion and summer fog. And um, I think that was one of the first songs, like I said, that I wrote that I didn't hate. <laughs> and that's kind of when I was first um, started my songwriting journey um, with at least lyric wise, because I always wrote songs on my guitar as a kid. But And that's also kind of when I was starting to learn how to sing. And it's interesting. I feel like, I feel like that was kind of just like a fluke I had almost like I I wrote that song and I still play that song to this day, even though I wrote it like seven years ago, eight years ago. What do you think you did differently that might've influenced your take on it and ultimately made you feel that you like, you liked the song, you didn't hate it. I really liked just, I I feel like all my best songs, um, in my opinion, that I write are um, the ones that just come organically that are like I wrote the whole melody to that song um, in like five minutes. Like I wrote all the like the basic melody and the whole structure of the song and everything. Um, I wrote that in like five minutes and just kind of came out of nowhere. And that's something that you can't ever necessarily force out. Like, I feel like that just kind of has to come and a lot of my favorite songs that I've written have been that exact same way. They, um, they're just like a explosion, like a expression of yourself that just like comes out of you like that without any of the like second guessing or other bullshit that comes in the way. It's just raw, pure emotion and pure expression, like I said. So, um, I think that was kind of like one of the first times that ever happened to me. And so, um, where I, I didn't like, you know, meticulously craft it. It just kind of, I was like, wow, it just came out. And I remember I recorded it on my old voice memos app. And then I put words to it and I, I sort of thought about the things that I want to say and uh, sort of the reflections of um, the things that I had experienced at that point in my life. Cause what I want to do really with my music is tell a story of my life. You know, I was a certain person when I wrote that song, different person now, different person, you know, three years ago when I wrote other songs of mine um, that I have out now, um, we're always changing. And I feel like um, that's the beauty of music and art. It, you know, it's the story of your life. That's the story of my life that I just mm-hmm. share with the world. And I hope that um, other people can relate to it and use it for whatever they want to use. You know, it, hopefully it adds value to people's lives. Even, you know, when I die, um, hopefully it'll add value to people's lives when I'm not here to do it, you know? And so... 
Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I kind of got off track. I was answering your question, but no, no, <laughs> I kind of went on a deep tangent. No, that's good, man. I, I think it's it's even better, right? Because you went in deep, you 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 went in depth, and you were just talking about it, and it it, it provides great insight, right? Like I said, um, I'm not the best at following uh, instructions. <laughs> you can already guess with my responses to your questions. Yeah, it's good, bro. That's good. It's good. Um, after seven years, because you wrote it back in yeah. 2014, after seven years, you send it out to be mastered uh, by your go-to engineer, right? Uh, Brian, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, E-L-E. And, E-L-E. Uh, Buenos Aires, but he's from Argentina. How did that connection come about of, of forming? Um, it was really just uh, this website called soundbetter.com, which is an amazing resource that I wish was around uh, <laughs> for the, my entire journey being a musician because it's just so great now. It's a website where um, people from all over the world can connect if you need uh, someone to sing on your songs, you need someone to produce your song, you need someone to master your songs, which all I, I needed was just someone to master my songs. Um, but uh it's the website that connects you and i didn't even realize he lived in argentina until like i got like my third song mastered by him mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like oh wait i've been sending these files all the way to argentina and he's been mixing it in his studio and sending it back so i thought that was super cool i was just like damn <laughs> it's kind of trippy man it's it, it, it kind of like yo what the fuck like sending this to argentina you know i'm working with this person from argentina um that's 2021 yeah (laughs) yeah straight up what kind of impact has the internet in general has websites like soundbetter.com had on on your process of of making music it's another one of those things just more tools for your toolbox you know Mm -hmm. it's amazing what you're able to do nowadays um with just like there's so many things that even just 10 years ago didn't exist even before YouTube before Spotify, it, it kind of gives a lot of power to the musicians themselves mm-hmm. where I feel like historically musicians have kind of not really had much power, you know, they're the ones who create the content, but it's like the kind of fat cats, you know, and the, that, that whole story with mm-hmm. um, who are the gatekeepers for their destiny, you know, take the cuts and stuff. And now, um, honestly, I look at it as a super, super positive, like, um, being able to produce myself, being able to go directly to the consumers and share my music with the world and have no middlemen, you know? And mm-hmm. so I think that good art always shines through, you know, even when there's, yeah, there's people who are, like we talked about before, people who have big audiences already, big influence. And sometimes if they're really talented, that's a double bonus. But a lot of people, I think, get far nowadays because they're a safe bet. You can bet on them to... yeah have whatever they're selling consumed by a large audience so they get put in the same kind of uh category or same same rat race that we live in trying mm-hmm. to uh, make it as artists it, it um, it's crazy but, be, because i see sometimes these artists who have a huge fan base and might have had like a successful album or a song yeah but they just stop making music <laughs> like completely i'm like um <laughs> I follow Russ a lot. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a rapper. He's definitely huge in the music um, promotion yeah. uh, world, especially. Yeah. yeah. 
and you know he, he's notorious for obviously he dropped a bunch of projects before but making a song a week right yeah he, you know he devotes a lot of his success to that but he mentions the same thing and i get it from him you know there's artists who just stop making music or release music just every now and then or you just never really know when they're going to release music yeah it's so it, it, it's mind-boggling in terms of you know, I, I I thought you like making music, you know, like let's make music. And and yeah. that ties into the marketing aspect and you're an independent artist, right? Yeah. So, and we talked about marketing. Yeah. What about marketing and your whole take on it kind of impacted you the most when you got more into it? There's kind of two highs, two major highs I get from music. <laughs> There's like the initial high you get of creating the music when it's super, you know, exciting and you're like, oh my God, you, you write the song and you like come with all these ideas, you're producing it and you're like, oh my God, let me add like a horn section here. Let me add like, and it's mm -hmm. like super, all the awesome fun stuff. That's like kind of high you get from like the creating the music aspects and then gets to the trudging through like the not sexy stuff. Like, the, oh, I mean, like line everything up let me like get all the good takes let me like filter out these unpleasant frequencies and then you listen to the song so many times every like millisecond of the song to make sure it's perfect and uh you know radio ready and all that stuff and then you kind of get burnt out a lot of the time and mm -hmm. there's part of you all is always like oh I'm, I'm so tired of working on this and then you're like you write something else and you're like oh my god this is amazing and mm -hmm. you're like I'm, I'm and then you get thrown into that and you, so there's that kind of high and that's why i wouldn't finish a lot of projects i would start something and then i get tired of it and then i would find something new and enticing and then i'd like go after that so that's kind of like that first initial high the like actually creating the music part mm -hmm. and then the sort of second high that i never really got because I just distracted myself with that first high was the high that you get when you release your music and you get people that respond to it and reach out to you and tell you your music has such an impact on them and it means so much to them and that they listen to it and they relate with it and they connect with it and they share it with all their friends and they can't wait for you to release more music like that's that's the second high and that's weirdly the high that you get from music promotion. <laughs> that's the, the high that's only attainable if you get it in front of people and mm -hmm. in front of the right people who like it and who would feel that way about your music, you know, because not everybody's going to like you no matter what you do. But the yeah. only important people are the people that do, you know, mm -hmm. all the people that don't like you, they don't really matter. Like, <laughs> so uh, the whole and I think that anyone, um, like I was saying about good music shining through and that it all, I think that good music, it will always trump bad music, you know, uh, or music that's not made with as much love or integrity or as much just, I don't, I don't know how you can describe it. There's just something everybody knows when good art slash good music is made. Yeah. Regardless of genre, regardless of anything, anyone could be like, damn, that's a good song. Like mm -hmm. that whole, holy shit, you know? And so much of it gets lost because it's not gotten in front of people. I think if you get good music in front of people, then there's no stopping. There's no limits to how far that can go. Yeah. And so for music promotion, that, that was kind of the thing, because I remember I released an album actually in the past that um, I worked for three years on and it didn't go anywhere. And I, I mean, 
part of my naive mind at that point was like, this album is so awesome that it should obviously just get famous. You know, it should just like, there's n- like, it, there's no way this shit is not going to fucking blow up. And then when it didn't <laughs> blow up, when it went nowhere, I was like, you know, really bummed. I was like, I worked on this for so long, just um, had so much faith in it and everything. And it wasn't even the music necessarily that was the problem. I mean, I think I make better music now. And I learned so much from making that album and so much from, you know, that kind of feeling of rejection, I guess. Mm. Um, but it's more that I didn't didn't know how to promote myself. I didn't know how to really get it out there. And so um, with the way that it works, I feel like it's just um, you just really have to get into this uh, marketing mindset, have to start start to think like the consumer. And that's what I really try to do nowadays. It's like when I discover a song that I like, mm-hmm. it's like, what do I do? It's like, well, first, I usually go to that artist page. Do they have other music? Sometimes I only have like one or two other songs. If they have one or two other songs, then it's kind of like there's only so much you can listen to like one or two songs before you get tired. So um, I think a big thing is just releasing and having like a good body of music. And sometimes if they do have a big body of music and that's their only good song, you know, it kind of, it's kind of a damper for me, you know, it's kind of like, cool, I'll still listen to the song, I can still like it, but it, I don't know if I'm going to go back, check whatever music they're going to be releasing in the future, because they, right now, their hit ratio is like a one for like 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I didn't really build that sort of consumer trust for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and say I find them, and they have a bunch of awesome songs, and, and that's what I'm like, holy shit, like, I'm in, I'm in for this ride. This is, yeah. this is awesome. I just discovered a whole new artist and it's like, then what do I do? Usually, um, you know, I go uh, read their bio, um, see them, what do they look like? You know, who are these people or this person that makes this music? I want to know more about them. Um, and then usually I either, if they have a Wikipedia page or hop over to their YouTube, um, usually I try to see a video of them performing live or a video of them, um, you know, to get the real experience, um, or a music video from them or something. Um, so I try to think of all those things when I'm sort of promoting myself. I think the best way you can promote yourself is instead of telling people to like, you should listen to me, like, remember, listen to my song. I I released a song, like, go listen to it. It's over Mm -hmm. there. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, that works a little bit, but like it more, I feel like annoys people and they don't, it's not nearly as effective as if you're like, you know, creating actual content being like, Hey, like recently I just released a live session. I'm like here because, and I released that live session because I didn't have any videos of me performing live on my YouTube. And I thought about like, you know, when I discover a new artist, I, that's what I always do. I always look to see a video of them performing live, you know? And so, and so I, I was like, I should make a live session. And so I made the live session and I recently recorded another live session in Seattle, like I mentioned earlier, um, with my full bands and um, um, doing all those things, being like, hey, I have a music video out or hey, I have a, even a podcast out where I talk about my music. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in knowing more about like what I do, yeah, and, uh, me in general, like all all these little cool things. And those and these are the really fun things to do, because I feel like if you bog yourself down, with the whole, um, I, I don't even know how to put it. There, there's, there's the, like, I, I think this is the best way to market yourself is to yeah. just 
keep releasing, being consistent, first of all, releasing continuous, just like interesting content that people would actually, you know, follow um, and telling your story because that's really what people get behind. It's it's so much more enticing and that's with anything you want to sell, like any brands. Uh, it's the story behind the brands, you know, say, say two brands sell the exact same t-shirts. They're like black t-shirts with like a triangle on them or something. Uh, that's just, I don't know, just an example that came to my head. Mm-hmm. But this t-shirt company says, hey, we have t-shirts that we made and there's triangles on them. You should buy them because there's triangles on them. And then this other t-shirt company is like, sells the exact same product, but they're like, I am this dude and I worked my entire life. I came from a small village somewhere, (laughs) some Mm -hmm. random country, made it to the United States. And this triangle represents like insert important message to why this triangle is so important and we make our products by hands or like you know the whole process behind it we blah 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 yeah it's like you're even though these are the same exact product you're like wow i'm going to buy these t-shirts i want to support this person like Mm -hmm. why would i you know and and that makes the the whole art so much more meaningful yeah. And so really selling stuff or just branding yourself in general is telling your story. And that's what I try to do, you know, tell, tell my story um, where I come from and hopefully show people that um, through my music, through, I don't know, ev- everything I do. And, and that's really, that's really, um, I think the most important thing with marketing, like there are platforms and other things and other uh, ways you can go about promoting yourself. But I think in general, the philosophy of it, telling your story and getting people to come along with your journey. And I don't even think of people necessarily like, I feel like a lot of people think of it as like fans, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like, I want to get like all these fans. And the way I think of it is like each new fan, I guess that I get um, that, tags along for my journey i almost consider like a friends you know and all all the people that um share my music all the people that are commenting and reposting most of them are people that i've established a relationship with and i Mm kind of consider a friend you know there are people that if they reach out um i always make sure i respond and let them know i really really appreciate it you know and so i talk to them that's one of the greatest feelings in the world just like you know making connections with people like that and so mm-hmm. um it's almost like other other people if they look at it they might see like oh chris has like a bunch of you know random fans and stuff but they're all people on, i mean most most of the people i mean you can't like talk to like every single person but like um uh, I, I pretty much try to mm-hmm. but um they're all kind of my friends and it's like a big community i feel like that i've been trying to build from the ground up and um we support each other and that, that that's kind of the way i see it you it's know huge. And, yeah it's huge it's it's crazy hearing you speak this because i can tell that you've definitely been learning and, and you've definitely been like going into the marketing thing because i've been doing the same thing and everything that you just said <laughs> matches with like everything i've been reading and like you know learning as well uh, but it's yeah putting yourself in the consumer shoes in in, in the listener's shoes and yeah. just just seeing how you as a as a listener as a consumer you know what's your thing you know you go you go look into the artists you know they have a bunch of other songs that you like and you're in you're in yeah. into the story and and you're able to market you're yourself along for the ride for the rest yep. of your life, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and being able to re-engineer that or reverse engineer that, I mean, is important. Yeah. And it just makes it 
that much easier and, and makes your marketing much more effective as well. Building strong bonds, I think, is so important because I, I care way more about having people that really, really care about what I do and people that really get something out of it. You know, that's like my biggest thing um, yeah. rather than a bunch of people who like kind of care, but also don't really care. And like, I think that building your sort of empire or community, you know, in that way where there's not much loss, like, you know, you build and you keep building on top of it without your foundation sort of being wishy-washy and fading away. Yeah. The more you build, like it just continues to build on top of that and grows that way rather than catching a few fans this way and you, you have it. And then when you run to go catch some, you know, your next thing, they're gone for your next release. That, that's the way I really care about building my, my fan base. Yeah, that's from good. the ground up. Yeah, from the ground up, man. And it takes a little bit longer, um, but yeah. it's you you have people who stay who are with you for the ride who and it's so much more rewarding every single too. song yeah you build those relationships i mean we were talking again same thing we were saying um earlier b- before we started it it's just a big game of human behavior and yeah. relationships are a huge thing of, of yeah. us as human and what makes us happy right meaningful relationships and if you can build that if you can have that with the people who listen to your music and support you like it's huge and and they're going to be there for the long run for the ride for, for just fucking with you for the for your art man and yeah and I, I know we didn't cover everything but i think what we covered and everything that you shared is super important because a lot of these things we get caught up in maybe things that don't matter in the grand scheme of things or or we, yeah. we just blow them out of proportion that we forget these fundamentals and these things that, you know, from the ground up, like the foundation of, of, of the things that we do um, before we close out. Yeah, what really matters. Yeah. Before we close out, plug anything. Uh, this is time for you to just share anything <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, anything that you want to share. Yeah, um, I am planning on coming out with an album later this year. I mean, that's for the future. I'll be coming out with new singles. My next single is going to be called Never Enough. I haven't publicly said anything about it until now. I just released my live sessions from Battery Spencer. I released both songs on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, all 150 other platforms that you can go check out. And I also uh, released the first video from the live session, the first one in the set, um, Wicked Game. It's a Chris Isaac cover. And the second video will be coming out this Friday, but this podcast is probably coming out (laughs) after. Yeah, it'll probably come up after, but... Anything yeah, okay. that was referenced, anything that was talked about, will be it linked will down be below. Yeah. <laughs> uh, link to the <laughs> so website, and from there, out. you can access everything. Link to Spotify, anything else, anything that you want me to link, I'll link it for sure. Um, you search Christopher Kenji, Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube.com slash Christopher Kenji, uh, Instagram.com slash Christopher Kenji. Uh, yeah, you, you, you can find me, and my website is ChristopherKenji.com. So, oh, yeah. Um, Thanks so much again, man, for having me. It yeah, of course, of course. Before we Thanks close out officially, yes. I want to ask you this one last question. Yeah, for sure. Let's go back and whether it be 18 or 22 or however old you were when you were graduating and, and stepping into the real world, quote unquote. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, uh, maybe not having the same connections, but knowing what you know now and everything that you've learned throughout the years, 
what would you do differently and, and why? Um, I think the main thing is I would just try to really think about what will make me happy in the long run rather than distracting myself with instant gratification, happiness. Because I've always known what I wanted from day one, from like ever since I was a kid, I knew that I wanted to make an impact on the world with music. If anything, not that I, I have any regrets, really. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff has happened, but um, I've learned from all of it. I think that the main thing is just, yeah, not being afraid to listen to what I really want and not being afraid to um, make sacrifices or prioritize uh, what I really want over other things. I think that is the main thing that I would have done differently and hopefully have gotten to some conclusions quicker. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Cool. Well, again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And thanks uh, you. You know, I'm excited to see where you'll be in a year or two years and that's exactly why I called it full circle show. And you brought up a good point um, that we're, we'll look back on this moment on this podcast yeah. and reflect and just see how far we've progressed. And it's throughout that journey that it's just those full circle things just come to mind and then and happen. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, Oh shit. I never would have imagined this or it's just kind of it's just trippy man the way it works yeah i think that that's really I, I, that's really cool the whole um i i guess i didn't put two and two together with full circle but yeah no that that really just sums it up <laughs> yeah. it's an honor to be on the show again man and thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to me talk about myself <laughs> no dude my pleasure my pleasure again you'll make sure you go check out with oh, whoa i'm tripping out uh, make go make sure you go connect with Chris. Uh, everything will be linked down below in the show notes. Links to all his music, Spotify, website, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, will be linked down below. Um, but other than that, thank you guys for tuning in. We're gonna cut out to the outro. Peace. Thank you guys. <laughs> I appreciate you listening to episode 23 of the Full Circle Show. I want to thank Chris again for coming onto the show. It means a lot. And I hope you guys got some value over it. I definitely learned more about Chris and his journey. I actually met Chris on a photo shoot trip to Tahoe, I think almost two years ago. He was rocking with his guitar for like the entire time. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another episode of the Full Circle Show, episode 23. I want to thank Chris again for coming onto the show. I had a great time talking with him and learning more about his journey. The whole aspect of him zoning into his music and concentrating solely on his music and teaching himself new things and going out of his comfort zone really inspired me. If you want to connect with Chris, you can do so by checking out the show notes. Everything will be linked down below his website and his socials, as well as any live sessions or anything else that was mentioned on the show. If you got something out of this podcast, if you could share it with someone, that would mean a lot. Till next time. Peace.